Welcome to Yarns at Yin Hu, a podcast about the fiber arts and other post-apocalyptic skills. Episode 288, Collaboration, Sunday, November 7th, 2021. I'm your host, Sarah. You can find me on social media as Sarah Pomegranate. Each time I record an episode, I post show notes, photographs, and links to things I talk about on my website, yarns at yinhu.com. Today's episode includes segments about gift knitting, up and coming. I announced the winner of a giveaway and a new giveaway and off the shelf. Hello, listeners. I hope you are well. It's good to be with you on this damp and chilly November morning. We had the time change last night, so an extra hour of slumber on this lazy Sunday. I'm over at the studio recording this podcast and thinking about the roast dinner that I'm going to make this evening because I feel like it's finally chilly enough to have kind of a proper comfort food meal, and I'm really looking forward to that. I still have a goal, which I talked about in my last episode, of completing all of my holiday knitting in the month of November so that I can move on to some other exciting projects in December and I don't have the stress of trying to get things completed for the Christmas holiday. So I am on my third of three, I think. <laughs> they go so quickly that I keep contemplating knitting another one or two. But right now I'm on my third of three Lenny hats. This is a pattern by Isabel Kramer. And several of you commented that after hearing my description and how much I was enjoying the Lenny hat, you cast one on. So I hope it's going well. This Lenny hat I'm knitting with yarn from Fisher Cat Fiber Co. Annie is the dyer. This base is 100% border lester yarn that she dyed with walnut leaves. So it's a beautiful... Uh, yellow leaning green. It's a fingering weight and I'm holding it double with some mystery yarn that just has a little card inside the ball that says alpaca. I don't know if it's 100% alpaca or not, but it's a beautiful, soft, muted brown. And so these colors are playing very nicely together. Um, in this Lenny hat. The Lenny hat has a doubled brim, the inside of which is one by one rib. And then you do a kind of three needle bind off. Um, I don't know if that's a three needle bind off. I'm not sure what to call it, but you sort of catch one part of the brim with the other and then you continue knitting the hat. And it has a beautiful stranded lift detail to create a little tree motif 
Other than that, the hat is pretty plain. It's a great unisex or non-gendered pattern. And I think it looks great with a pom-pom. I purchased some faux fur pom-poms from Barrett Wool Company. They came this week. And I am adding those to two of the hats. This one I'm knitting, I don't think I will add a pom-pom to this one because I don't have a color that's quite right. And I'm not sure if the recipient would really enjoy a pom-pom on this hat. So I have just completed the little tree motif and now it's zoom, zoom, zoom in stockinette until it's time to do the crown decreases. So this will be only a few more days to completing this hat. I'm also nearly done with my Muscleboro hat. This is a design by Isolde Teague. I'm knitting it in scrap yarn from Knitspin Farms self-striping sock yarn collection. I have a variety of different scraps and I worked the polls on Tuesday, November 2nd, and was able to do a great deal of knitting on this hat. So I haven't picked it up too many times since, but I'm, I would say, two-thirds to three-quarters complete with that. And I will be adding a pom-pom as well to that hat it's doubled, so I think adding a pom-pom gives you a lot of variety because you can pull off the snap-on pom-pom and then flip the hat to the other side, wear it more like a beanie, and then snap that pom-pom back on. You have a couple different looks. So that I'm motoring along on that hat, which is fantastic. And then I have two other gift projects that I have not begun. One is a set of mitts for mom that I talked about last time, adding a color work motif to the cuff of some ribbed fingerless mitts. I have all the yarn, the pattern, I have my plan. So as soon as I finish these two hats, I think I'll get that started. And then the final gift knit, I've just decided on a mini gale sweater for Little Briar. This is a pattern by Alicia Plummer. It's been around for a while. There's also an adult version. And it's quite simple, knit in chunky yarn. And it's almost, it's almost like a poncho in that the sides are loose it really can grow with a child. You can move the button placement under the arm as the child grows. And the photographs of kids in these little sweaters are just adorable. So I think it will be an easy extra layer that will really be good for the winter time and hopefully grow with her sort of like a it could be outerwear. It could be like a tunic with leggings. She could maybe wear it in a lot of different ways. Briar will be two in January. She's quite tall. I'll try to get some measurements and start working up this mini gale in a 
washable yarn probably held double because I'm going to try to use something that I have in stash. So that's all the gift knitting that I have planned for November. I would also like to sew a pair of pajama bottoms for Samuel. I do have some beautiful striped flannel fabric. And uh, hopefully while he's doing some rehearsals, I can get the quiet and privacy I need to make a gift for him that will truly be a surprise. So we'll see. I picked up a pajama pants pattern at Joanne's the other day. I don't recall what company it even is. I think maybe it's a simplicity pattern. But I was looking for something where the pocket is attached to the waistband rather than just a bag pocket hanging inside. Because I noticed that in some of his other pajama pants, there's a lot of wear and stress on the pockets where they're not anchored to the waistband. So I picked up a pattern and I picked up some um, elastic that's specifically designed for pajamas and underwear. It's really nice and soft and I think it will be a great alternative to what I've been using in other things that I've created for him. I didn't even know that this kind of elastic existed, but just working with it a little bit in the package, I can see that it's really superior to other kinds of elastic that I've used. So that should sew up quickly and will be a great surprise for him if I can manage to get it done, completely done when he's out of the house. I've also been motivating myself to power through all of this gift knitting by thinking about the projects that I will begin once my gift knitting is complete. One of them is Baltian by Caitlin Hunter. I purchased the yarn for it when I was at Rhinebeck. I love the color combination. I'm so eager to cast on this sweater, but I haven't even wound the yarn. It's all sitting on my desk, just tempting me and motivating me until it's time to get that started. I've also been thinking about a project that uses a lot of scraps and I've been searching and looking at other people's projects, trying to come to some determination of what that might be. I thought I would have enough yarn to do um, a certain crocheted sweater, but I don't think that I have enough to do that. And I'm really reluctant to purchase anything. I want to use up a lot of scrap yarn and I don't want it to be a blanket. I just don't think I will be able to stay motivated to finish something like that. I want it to be something I can wear. I want it to be a kind of statement piece. Um, and so naturally I started looking at a bunch of Stephen West patterns and one that I'm 
I've moved through several of them already before (laughs) recording this and telling you about it today. But one that I'm currently looking at is the Marled Magic sweater or dress. It's modular. Two yarns are held together the entire time. You can alter the size by altering the weight of yarn you use as well as, I'm assuming, the needle size. It looks interesting. It looks wearable as a statement piece. And right now, the colors that I have to use up in scraps are predominantly muted colors. I was reading through the description of this particular garment, and Stephen West suggests having like 1,200 grams of yarn on hand to knit a sweater that takes about eight or 900 grams so you could make some choices. That was an interesting tip, and I think a good test of the yarn I have on hand would be to weigh it and see what I have. He also suggests using a lot of lace mohair throughout, and I do not have a lot of that, but I think, I think I'm not so worried about that and I can assess my scrap yarn in a few different ways to see if this is something that would work out. So that's my idea right now. (laughs) And that would probably be like a January cast on something to knit through the winter time. In episode 287, I announced a giveaway for the most recent issue of Pom Pom Quarterly. That's issue number 39, the rhythm issue. And this was a purchase I made at Rhineback, and I invited listeners to chime in with what they're excited to knit, either on Instagram or as a comment on my website. And I was so pleased to get so much mail and so much interest for this giveaway. So thank you. Thank you to everyone who dropped a line. I think there were nearly 30 entries, which is awesome. I put all of those entries in a hat and selected Shelly Chase Olson. She dropped a comment on my website, which I will share with you now. Loved hearing about the New York Sheep and Wool Festival. Wish I'd been there. Although I'm a fleece junkie and I would have no doubt come home with one or two that I do not need. My crafting that I'm really looking forward to now is spinning some drum carded bats of a Jacob fleece that I've had a couple of years. I carded the pale gray and the dark gray separately, and I'm going to make a marled yarn of them, and then probably a sweater or a huge shawl. Love your podcast. The easy episodes were delightful. So congratulations, Shelly. I will allow a few days for you to hear about this on the podcast, and then I will contact you via email if I don't hear from you soon letting you know that you are the winner and getting that issue of Pom Pom Quarterly out to you. 
to enjoy. Thanks so much, everyone who took the time to write to me and share your ideas. It was really lovely to read through them all. And your enthusiasm convinced me that I should announce another giveaway in this episode. So here it is. I have a new pattern coming. It will drop on November 22nd. That's a Monday. So I will announce the winner for this pattern on November 21st when I record episode 289. My new pattern is for a color work cowl. It's extremely soft and squishy and warm. And I got the idea for the design when I was in Saratoga Springs this April with Mary Beth. We sat and had coffee in the lobby of our hotel in the morning. And I was really taken with the design on a fabric pillow in the lobby. I took some photos and this design would not leave my mind until I worked up how to achieve it in color work. Mary Beth and I agreed that we would swap some yarn, sort of advent style, um, swap some small bits of yarn from our stash so that we could kind of stay connected um, over the next several months working out this cowl. So we did that. And I also called in some assistance from Ellen Silva, who, as you know, is a genius with all things knitting, especially fine-tuning instructions. So I presented her with kind of a dilemma that I had in working up this pattern, which is I wanted to knit the cowl in a tube And I wanted to graft it seamlessly. I wanted the color work to come together in an absolutely seamless way so that you could not tell where you did the provisional cast on for this cowl and you could not tell where you ended. And when I encountered other cowl patterns of this type, the grafting has always happened on a solid color. So this was really a departure from anything I've seen before. And I asked Ellen if she had ever, you know, encountered anything like that or if she knew how to do it. So this set her brain to work and she did some research. She did some tinkering And she came up with a tutorial and some photographs that Mary Beth and I used to graft our cowls together in September. So the trajectory was we started our cowls in July, like a Christmas in July sort of um, adventure. We exchanged some bits of scrap yarn to use. We worked up our cowls and then we met over Zoom 
to follow Ellen's directions and graph them together. Since then, Ellen has created an unbelievably succinct and helpful tutorial for how to do this really next level technique. I've just completed watching her video and I truly believe that this helps knitters enter like a new era with their color work knitting because it offers so many different possibilities for grafting in color work. It's amazing. It's clear. It has, you know, all the authority that Ellen always lends to her content. And I'm thrilled to be able to incorporate her careful thinking and instruction into my design for this really clever cowl. So I'm calling this pattern Christmas in July. It was always the working title for this design. And even though it's not July anymore, the Christmas season is upon us. It's a great design to use up scrap yarn that you have in stash or to exchange some scraps with a knitting friend. It's knit in fingering weight yarn, but you could certainly alter that if you wanted to alter the, the gauge of your design. And when you knit it, you're going to not only come up with an amazing finished product that will keep you warm and cozy, but also you will feel so accomplished as a knitter to use this really cool grafting technique which Ellen has termed donut grafting. I'm working on putting the finishing touches on this pattern so that it can be ready for release on November 22nd. And I will be taking some photographs and putting them up on Instagram very soon. In the meantime, Nancy Sharp, who is ND Sharp on Instagram, has test knit this cowl and she used a gradient to do the sections of the design. It's absolutely stunning. Uh, she's such a trooper and reports that now that she's done this donut grafting technique, she feels like she's ready for any grafting task. So it's really a skill builder, and she got such a beautiful finished object with her skillful knitting and her careful yarn choices. It's really a glorious accessory. Here's how the giveaway will work. Just like last time, you'll have the opportunity to enter using Instagram or using the comments on my website, yarnsatyanhu.com, or both. If you choose, you could enter more than once. With the Instagram post, you can also tag a friend, and you and a friend could win one of the patterns. And on my comments on my website, I will choose another winner. So up to three folks can win this design. I will be announcing the winner when I record episode 289 
on Sunday, November 21st, and the pattern will be released on the 22nd. Off the shelf. The November 2021 issue of Poetry Magazine is devoted to the concept of collaboration and collaborative poetry. The cover features this really cool image of a puzzle being put together. And instead of reading one of the poems from the issue, I'm going to read to you from the editor's note. Sue Cho is the editor, and she writes, It is with absolute admiration and awe that I introduce the November issue centered around collaborative poetry and prose. Each and every piece not only cherishes collaboration, but also highlights its power. Compiling this issue urged me to rethink what our writing can look like in relation to each other, because collaboration requires hard work and vulnerability. I have learned so much from the writers here, and I hope you will too. These words are powerful, and the beauty of this issue is that it can model for us how we too can be collaborative. Reading these words, I just got to thinking about what a collaboration is often going on in our knitting and crafting lives. We're many times following patterns that have been written out for us by others. We're choosing yarns that are in themselves collaborations in terms of the fiber selection, where the yarn has been Fun, the dying that happens. We're creating this final finished product that is really a collaboration between a lot of different people. And, um, you know, it got me thinking about the collaboration that ensued when I asked Ellen Silva about you know, how does this kind of grafting work? Have you ever seen this? And what was at work when we were going back and forth and thinking about this problem together? I've begun thinking a lot about this theme of collaboration. A lot of times around this time of year, we're encouraged to think about gratitude. And I think Layering collaboration onto that adds another dimension of thinking about what we're thankful for. What Su Cho writes in the remainder of her introduction, her editor's note for this issue, is a cento, C-E-N-T-O, which is a type of collaborative poetry. It's a method of creating a collaborative poem. And she asked each of her editorial team, Angela, Fred, Hannah, Holly, and Lindsay, four questions. And then she combined their responses to these questions into a poem that holds its own merit. 
and I'm going to read this poem to you. The questions she asked are, what does collaboration mean to you and what does it remind you of? Is there a fond memory of collaboration? What is challenging about collaboration? What kind of collaboration do you hope for in the future? Mostly when I share a poem with you on the podcast, I read it through several times or I'm already very familiar with the poem. In this case, I've just glanced at this poem and I'm going to be reading it all the way through for the first time as I record. And I hope that brings us into a kind of communion with one another where I'm reading it for the first time and you are hearing it for the first time. Collaboration becomes communication without words or beyond words. I picture two hawks soaring, usually together, which makes me think of my best friend who can always walk out with me to Rumi's proverbial field beyond ideas of right and wrong. One time, a classmate of mine was shocked hearing my best friend and I speak to each other. We'd both be talking at the same time, but registering what the other was saying, and our speech kept blossoming. There's the fun that comes with creating a meal together, the way my brother and I would steal chocolate chips from the dough our mom was working on. Process turned into play with intention and care. I was a stage manager for the drama club, which meant working together late into the night to create a final product that seemed so smooth, ideally, from the audience's seats, but was a mad dash of love and practice and organization and laughter behind the scenes. There's a balance between spontaneity and structure. Collaboration isn't about the final product, but the person I'm working with. It's a challenge to relinquish control, letting go of coming up with the perfect answer or method. I want to help each other love ourselves and other people without fear or competition. I wish to live in a place where everything we do Each moment in time is understood in a collaborative, communal, cooperative spirit. Even nothing is something and part of everything. I hope for many more friends in the new place I call home to collaborate with on climbs and hikes. And ultimately, I hope for a partner to collaborate with on life in the largest sense, on how to construct our days and weeks. I guess I can just add that to my online dating profile now, lol. Five generations of my family have been a part of this American experiment. My grandparents grew up during segregation and went to segregated Mexican-only schools. My aunts and uncles were continuously redlined to the west side of town. My mother internalized the chaos in the form of alcohol and drugs. So the country hasn't always felt like home, especially not as a trans woman of color. 
I feel I've never committed to being here. I've always kept myself moving, disassociating, detaching. But I've learned that I have to risk it. Risk the pain and discrimination and the grief of loss and the dire reality that my country does not want me in order to actually experience being alive. I'm building a home for myself, gathering resources and feeding myself well, making friends, and just generally taking what goes on here in the world seriously. And I think this is a type of collaboration, one I want to deepen with every moment. Coming from a working-class Catholic household, my family and I were stuck in a space where getting your things done was prioritized. Anything outside of that, emotional connection, bonding, asking for help, was put on the back burner, and over time it evolved into feeling ashamed of those things. I hope to step fully out of that learned shell. It's a long but important process and step into a collaborative mode where mutual aid, support, and communication of needs is natural with my chosen family, my city, and friends I have yet to meet. There is too much love to name just one. I invite you to do some reading in this issue of Poetry Magazine. There is quite a bit that's available online from this issue, and I will link it, of course, in the show notes for this episode. Sue Cho's closing paragraph to her editor's note is, Reader, here we are. Where we started and where we are still just beginning. As my tenure as guest editor comes to a close, I want to leave you with one final question. Where would we be without each other? <laughs>